Let's try something for a sec. Take a big breath in and then out. Not so bad, right? Now grab a straw. Take a big breath in again, but blow out through that straw. Keep going just like that for as long as you can. Pretty exhausting, huh? Now imagine we made that straw thinner. That certainly makes things that much worse. In medicine, we have patients who go through this for a lot longer than a few minutes. They have what we call chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or COPD. Today, our patient has a COPD exacerbation, and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Intern at Work, a podcast made by internal medicine residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is called Breathe Easy Now, and it will help you develop a better understanding of COPD, as well as an approach to a patient with a COPD exacerbation. As with every episode, we start with our safety second. Clinically, a patient with a COPD exacerbation may be requiring oxygen or sometimes even extra respiratory support with a BiPAP machine or intubation. They may also be tachycardic or hypotensive if they are septic or if they haven't eaten or drank in a while. Remember to also look for signs of respiratory distress, including purse-lipped breathing, tripoding, and use of accessory muscles. Is your patient very drowsy? If so, this may be a sign of severe hypercarbia. If any of these signs are present, or if you are worried, ensure that you get a more senior resident to see the patient with you. Now, on to COPD. COPD is a respiratory condition involving the airways that is characterized by non-reversible airflow obstruction. COPD exacerbations are the third most common cause of death in North America and are often attributed to a history of long-term smoking or chronic respiratory infections. Occasionally, COPD can be caused by a genetic condition called alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. COPD exacerbations are characterized by worsening in a patient's dyspnea, increased sputum production, or an increase in sputum purulence. Remember these three criteria. We will be using them later in this episode. In COPD, individuals suffer from either chronic bronchitis or emphysema or both. Chronic exposure to toxins and pro-inflammatory substances such as cigarette smoke causes long-term inflammation either at the level of the bronchi or alveoli. Eventually, patients develop ventilation-perfusion mismatch and can present with hypoxemia, hypercapnia, and acute or chronic respiratory acidosis. At its very worst, COPD can cause patients to develop pulmonary hypertension, leading to core pulmonale and heart failure. Now, we classify the severity of COPD by applying the goal criteria to our patient's spirometry values. For a patient to be diagnosed with COPD, their FEV1 to FEC ratio has to be less than 70%. To classify severity, we look at FEV1 values alone. Mild is a patient with an FEV1 greater than 80%. Moderate, 50 to 80%. Severe, 30 to 50%. Very severe is an FEV1 less than 30% or an FEV1 less than 50% with chronic respiratory failure. what COPD is, we know what an exacerbation looks like, and we can now determine the severity of the disease. So let's go see this patient who has come in with an exacerbation. 
Important things to ask about on a COPD history include time of diagnosis, last exacerbation, number of exacerbations per year, and requirement for ICU. You also want to get a sense of their smoking history, as a longer or ongoing smoking history is a risk factor for more severe disease. You also want to get a sense of their baseline. At their best, how far can they walk? Is their ability to care for themselves limited by their shortness of breath? Are they on home oxygen? And if so, how much? Are they up to date on their vaccinations? With regards to their history of presenting illness, you want to know about when their symptoms started and what their symptoms are. Remember the criteria we mentioned earlier? Worsening dyspnea, sputum quality, or sputum production? That is what we call the Winnipeg criteria based on the lung health study from 1994. Any patient who has at least one of these three criteria can be diagnosed based on history alone with a COPD exacerbation. While you always want to do a comprehensive physical exam, extra attention should be paid to the respiratory exam for a COPD patient. Are there any signs of respiratory distress? Is your patient drowsy? Can you see if the patient has a barrel chest? A patient with moderate to severe hypercarbia may have asterixis. On auscultation, you may hear expiratory wheezes or decreased breath sounds, particularly at the bases. You may hear crackles or bronchial breath sounds if the patient also has an ammonia. Now, your investigation should be tailored towards clarifying your diagnosis, identifying the trigger for an exacerbation, as well as prognostic clarification. A patient with COPD frequently has comorbid diseases, and a basic blood work panel, including a cardiac workup and ECG, will help you rule out things like an ACS. To better identify the trigger, a chest x-ray will be helpful, as well as a viral nasopharyngeal swab, particularly if it's flu season. Classic findings on a chest x-ray include hyperinflation, flattening of the diaphragm, bullae, retrocardiac airspace, and narrowing of the cardiac silhouette. You may also see a focal opacity if the patient has an ammonia. Lastly, getting an ABG is very important. A patient with significant hypercarbia or respiratory acidosis typically has a worse prognosis and may need ventilatory support sooner rather than later. settled on your diagnosis of a COPD exacerbation, there are four main principles of treatment. They are ventilatory support, inhalers, steroids, and antibiotics. Depending on the severity of the exacerbation, patients may need something as minimal as nasal prongs to something as invasive as intubation to maintain their oxygenation. It should be remembered that individuals with chronic CO2 retention need oxygen saturations of 88 to 92% to maximize their respiratory reserve. All patients should be started on short-acting agents in the context of an exacerbation, including a short-acting beta agonist, such as Ventolin, and a short-acting anticholinergic, such as Atrovent. The patient's long-acting agent should be held on admission. Next, oral steroids have been shown to shorten recovery time, improve lung function, reduce hospital stay, and increase the time to the patient's next exacerbation. The study called the REDUCE trial recommends prednisone 40 mg PO daily for five days. Lastly, we start all individuals requiring mechanical ventilation or who have two out of the three Winnipeg criteria on antibiotics. Choices for antimicrobial agents are the same as for community-acquired pneumonia, so ceftriaxone azithromycin or fluoroquinolone alone will suffice. Now time for a medicine minute. 
During our review of treatment, we looked at the major components to care. So let's go over some of the evidence. Inhalers are the mainstay of treatment. Your treatment during an exacerbation will be different from what the patient will need at home. The 2007 TORCH trial demonstrated that inhaled corticosteroids help decrease the rate of exacerbations, but does come with an increased risk of pneumonia. The 2008 Uplift trial replaced Atrovent with Spiriva in individuals with moderate to severe COPD and demonstrated reduced incidence of exacerbations as well as a trend towards improved survival. The reduced trial in 2013 found that five days of oral glucocorticoids was non-inferior to a 14-day course, while also helping to minimize the side effects from steroid use. Thank you for listening to today's episode entitled Breathe Easy Now. This episode was written by Dr. Shivani Dadwell, internal medicine resident, and edited by Dr. Timothy Karachi, critical care and respirology, and Dr. Juan Guzman, internal medicine. This episode was produced by Allison Lai, music and sound production by Lakshman Vizantha Mohan. This is the internet work, and please tune in again soon.